everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to Testimony in a National Religious Broadcasters Convention Special 2021 at the fabulous Gaylord Grapevine, and yes, that is Texas, Alex McFarland, author of over 19 books, religion and culture expert, apologist, worldwide speaker, evangelist, college professor, mission strategist, broadcaster, former pastor and seminary president, and this just for starters. As you will soon hear, would you please welcome an honor indeed, Alex McFarland. Alex, welcome to Testimony. Well, thank you, Jensine. I am so honored to be on, and listen, I'm, I'm just a guy that found Christ at age 21, and uh, I'm telling people about the Lord, but I want to say what an honor it is to see you. I just wish everybody could see your face because you radiate the presence of the Lord. And uh, I, I just, I'm, you and I have only known each other a few moments. We're here at this convention and people are being interviewed, but I walked in the room and I could sense the presence of the Lord mm -hmm. all in this place. And um, I commend you for your witness for Christ because it's very, very powerful. Well, thank you very much, Mr. McFarland. I'm very, uh, honored by your gracious words here today and actually same to you. So without delay, I would love for you to share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and then your segue into all that you've accomplished up until today. Alex McFarland, please tell us that story. Well, thank you very much. Um, you probably can't tell from my accent I'm joking, but I grew up in the South, uh, not Southern California, you know, kind of envious of you because you live in California and uh, by the way, I've got to say this, do you Californians know that like the rest of the country is very enamored with California a lot of the time, you know, because we just assume Californians live at the beach, everybody drives a convertible. Uh, is it that way? Is is that the California lifestyle? Well, in normal circumstances, Alex, it is, but with uh, cancel culture and COVID-19 and a governor that uh, is about to be recalled and we hope replaced, everything mm. is upside down. And I know that yeah. you are a religion and culture expert, which uh, my guests are going to love what you have to uh, say and share about that. Well, yeah, and I would say this, while for much of my life the rest of the country has been enamored with California, I really believe in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months, much of the country is concerned about California. And, you know, I will say this, and hopefully it's a word of encouragement, uh, I do a lot of traveling and people say, we're praying for California. And not, well, Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, the upper Northwest, there's been a lot of unrest. And, and let, we'll get there, but you ask about my testimony. I came to know the Lord when I was 21 years old in college. Now, I grew up in the South, the Bible Belt, you know, and there's churches every, on every street corner, it seems like. And I, I knew about God, you know. In fact, I was a yes, ma'am, 
yes, sir, the South is uh, very compliant. You know, I was a, not a bad kid necessarily, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ till I was in college and um, was invited to a Bible study, a Monday night Bible study. And I started going to this Bible study. I was an English major because uh, that was the degree with only one math course. You know, ginseng, uh, the West, there are three kind of people, mm -hmm. those that can do math and those that can't. <laughs> and uh, I'm in the latter, think about that. It'll, it'll sink in in a minute. But uh, okay. you know, I um, was an English major. I had gone to take this exam to go to architectural school. Uh, but uh, I love houses, I love architecture, but uh, to be an architect, you have to be pretty good at math, which I was not. So I became an English major. And while I was in the middle of doing that, I started going to this Bible study. And a, a big part of what I do is apologetics. And let me allude to the fact that I had, in my English degree, studied a lot of literature. and. Um, my family had been a part of a liberal church. And I remember during the time that I began to be searching for the Lord, I went to see this pastor and he, he said to me, he said, well, Alex, you've got to understand all those stories in the Bible, they didn't really happen. You know, all that stuff like Moses and uh, parting the Red Sea, see that, that never happened. Um, the Bible is a book of stories and myths, sometimes inspiring myths, I was told but it's really a, more about man's search for God and you need to be careful not to take the Bible literally. Hmm. Now, I was not even a Christian yet and I was like, well, goodness, that doesn't sound good, you know? And I'm thinking, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking, well, if, if, that, if the Bible isn't true, why bother, you know? So I start going to this Bible study sometime later and uh, ginseng, uh, I begin to read the Gospels and what I found in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I found to be vividly real. And I had been immersed in literature for much of my college degree. And I was like, okay, the Bible has the ring of truth. This is really real. And I um, began to really read the Bible and I learned about Jesus who claimed to be the Son of God and who said he would prove it by rising from the dead. And at 21, I knelt by my bed one night and I said, Lord, I, I do believe. And he, here was an amazing thing. I hope I can tell this without getting emotional. But I said, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for the sins of the world. And I believe you died for me. And when it dawned on me that Jesus loved the world, I could believe Jesus loved the world. But I had this moment when I realized that Jesus loved me. It stirred my soul and I said, Lord, I believe you died for me. You did that on the cross for Alex McFarlane and I accept that. I'm asking you to forgive my sins. And the thing wow. about it, it was personal. Hmm. And what I would say to all of your listeners, Jensen, is that Jesus does love every person. He's, I often said this, he's as close by as a prayer. And if there's anyone who happens to hear this and maybe like I was. I was a church member I, at 13 in a Sunday school of boys. We were instructed to fill out a card, which I did. So I had, quote, <laughs> joined the church. But eight years later, I found a relationship with Christ and everything I've researched, everything I've written about, I've interviewed hundreds of scholars, 
made a trip to the Holy Land, visited 72 archaeological sites. Wow. Um, this is real. And I know you know that, but I want to say for the benefit of your listeners, this thing about the Lord and you can have a relationship with Jesus, and yes, you can trust the Bible, it's really real. And uh, 30 years plus have gone by, and I'm, I'm not over it yet. <laughs> well, praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to renowned apologist and author and so much more, Alex McFarland. Alex, that is a very compelling testimony because you've personalized it in such a way. I think there are many out there that may be thinking, well, God loves the world. He loves everyone, but not me. I'm not good enough. I've done awful things. God can't forgive me. I didn't grow up in the church. What do you say to that person? Wow, that's a great question. That is a really great question. Because, yes, God does love us. Supremely, God loves us. But there's a, there's a problem, and it's called sin. And, and we're, we're all sinners, and we, we've known the right, but done the wrong. And sin is much more serious, I believe, Jensen, than people today give it uh, credence for. Well, I, I don't think sin is a serious issue to many people today, but um, in terms of your relationship with God, sin is a very serious issue because sin will obstruct your relationship with others. Sin will give you turmoil with yourself, but worst of all, sin will separate you from God. The Bible says, and, and I, I'm gonna quote a couple of Bible verses if I may, and again, um, the Bible is a book that I believe is shown to be inspired by compelling lines of evidence. And we could talk about that, but just for the record, let's say, okay, the Bible is the Word of God, which I believe it is. Well, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, you think of, you get a paycheck, you work a job, at the end of the week, you get a wage or a paycheck. Well, the Bible says, you know, if you live a life and if your sin issue is not dealt with, you'll get a, pay, a payoff, but the wage, the paycheck, of sin is death. That means separation from God. And how sad it would be if the story ended there. There's a part of speech called the conjunction. And there's a conjunction in Romans 6, 23, and it's wonderful because it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't it wonderful that while sin would separate us from God, there is an option we can accept Jesus and his gift and have this precious end result, eternal life. And I, I love the gospel. It is good news, the good news that God does love us. And whatever we've done, he can forgive. Whatever has been done to us, he can heal. But I would say this, um, the gospel is not only good news, uh, it's unique news. I mean, it really, really is. There's no other offer like this. Because all of the world religions, I did a couple of graduate degrees, and one of which is in world religion, and they all boil down to works or performance. You know, earn it, right. turn cartwheels. And, and I wanna to say to everybody listening, nothing you can do can make God love you more. 
Nothing you have done could make God love you less. God loves you immeasurably so. But God does love you so much that he wants to fix what's broken about all of us. And that's the sin issue. That's why Jesus came to pay for our sins. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to religion and culture expert Alex McFarlane. Alex, millennials, how are you reaching them today? Great question. Uh, thank you. Well, a lot of what we're doing to reach millennials is to equip the Christians that are in their lives, whether it be their peers or their parents or adult leaders. You know, it's interesting. There are millennials that are roughly 30 and younger. But then there's Gen Z that are something like 18 and younger. But now sociologists have a new word, zillennials, because roughly 18 to 23 or 24 are this group that are somewhat like millennials and somewhat like Gen Zers. But we're reaching a time where a lot of the, the cultural foundations that you and I grew up with, you, you and I grew up where the, the family, marriage and home, was pretty much the norm. You and I grew up under leaders that understood the moral foundation, you know. And you, you and I know there was a time when even those that didn't go to church, maybe they weren't Christians or church members, but they still had a certain reverence for the Bible and they believed the Ten Commandments, you know. Right. You, you and I grew up in a gospel culture, but kids today, really for 25 years, it's not been that way. So millennials are looking for three things in leaders, authenticity, accessibility, and consistency. In other words, mm. if, if I talk it, is it real to me? And am I accessible? Can I um, talk about anything? And oh my goodness, I've had some youth ask questions that would give you the deer in the headlights look, <laughs> but we don't freak out, you know. We, but then consistency. Is it yeah. really real? And I say to moms and dads and certainly adult, Christian, conservative, they want to see that it's real to us, that Jesus is not one accessory among my otherwise cluttered life. No, Jesus is the Lord, the supreme, the faithful friend. And if, if we say that Christianity is... Um, the priority. They want to see that it really is in our lives. Amen and amen. You know, Alex, I was a youth at one time. I was looking for authenticity and consistency and a real Jesus with skin on it. And God was faithful to show up. And before that, in church, I ran away from the church because it wasn't in the church. And I think that's why probably millennials are not going uh, to church uh, today. So then the question begs, if someone is asking, how do I live this life for Christ with everything encroaching around me constantly, media 24-7, where is the power to live this life? Man, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes to mind. Mm -hmm. The second chapter of Acts. Amen. Can you speak to that? Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think the American church is going to have to rediscover the reality of the supernatural. You, know, you, read, the, you read the book of Acts, 28 chapters. 
uh, in the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts concludes, you know, with Paul getting shipwrecked and it says that he was under house arrest for two years and he preached the gospel and nothing and no one hindered him. Well, let's submit that there's a 29th chapter of Acts and we're living in it. It's called the church age. And so I believe in miracles and I believe in answered prayer and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's funny, uh, have you ever been on like a foreign mission trip to like another country? Not really, but I have been to other countries. Sure, sure. And as an evangelist, wherever you go, it's always a mission trip in it, one way or another. It is. I'm so glad you said that. You know, I, you and I, we really think alike, but life is a mission trip for the believer. But when you get to other parts of the world, you see manifestations of the Holy Spirit that you just don't often see in the USA. And um, my time in ministry, we've been to every state, 50 states, but been to um, about five continents. You know, I've not been to Australia and I've not been to Antarctica, but we've been to most <laughs> everywhere else. But, but you will see miracles. You really will. Uh, and I would love to talk about a lot of those. For instance, okay, Lima, Peru. I was uh, in Lima, Peru in 2008. And you've heard of Machu Picchu. You've seen the pictures of beautiful ruins of that city. But um, we had, oh goodness, dozens of Peruvian pastors and we were doing outdoor evangelistic events. Well, the predominant language in Peru is Spanish. Well, a man showed up, I'll never forget this, his name was Apollinario. And he couldn't speak Spanish or English. He spoke a, a, an obscure language called, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Chechewan. I may be a little bit off, but one pastor, I'll never forget, there was a pastor among two dozen pastors named Juan Carlos. He knew just a little bit of Chechewan because his grandmother spoke it. At any rate, Apollinario, who lived up in the, the mountains of Peru near Machu Picchu, the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that missionaries were coming and he needed to go to Lima, Peru. Now that alone is miraculous. Right. So for two weeks, we're all over Lima, Peru, doing outdoor meetings and sometimes thousands of people. Well, Apollinario couldn't speak English or Spanish, but he followed me around and he would smile and pat his hands together. And Juan Carlos told me, said, uh, he's praying for you. But keep in mind, Juan Carlos, a native Peruvian, and Apollinario could barely communicate because Apollinario was from way back in the mountains. Anyway, here's where I'm going with this. And, and I'm talking about the miraculous power of God. So one, the one day we're in this village and I'm in this like low part and I see up by this like fruit stand, there are four guys in soccer jerseys and they're drinking from a fifth of vodka and chasing it with a two liter Coca-Cola. <laughs> so I'm preaching and it was like the Lord said to me, go talk to those guys. Well, finally I finish and the music group comes up to sing. Well, I make my way through this crowd and there's these four soccer players and they speak Spanish, I speak English. And I, this is what I said, honestly, uh, Jen Saint, I said, um, you're drinking those distilled spirits, but God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Anyway, they look at me kind of funny. Anyway, suddenly there's a tap on my shoulder. It's Apollinario. I've been with him two weeks. He can't speak English or Spanish. He said, I will translate for you. Preach. Wow. My hand of the Lord. All right. 
So we begin to share the gospel and the Holy Spirit was heavy and all four soccer players prayed to accept Christ. And I looked at them and I said, hey, listen, if Jesus is real to you, if you just accepted Jesus, and I know you did, um, I want you to pour out that two liter bottle of vodka. And they did, poured it out on the ground. So I said, let me explain to you the decision you just made and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. For one hour, a man who could not speak English or Spanish, Apollinario, translated. And I said, um, we grow in the Lord, we read the, the Bible, and he's translating from English to Spanish. These men knelt, they consecrated themselves to the Lord, all these four soccer players. And Juan Carlos and the bus finally shows up to pick us up. We were in a place called Miraflores, I just remembered. And uh, it was amazing. I'm like, it's a miracle. He translated. We could communicate. We led all these people to Christ. And Juan Carlos is like, yeah. I'm like, well, it's a miracle. The Holy Spirit of God is all over this place. And he goes, yeah, Alex, that's how God does. I said, well, you've got to understand in the USA, we don't see this. And he said, um, well, I guess God goes where he's wanted. I love that. What I would say in my plea, and look, I love America, but if we wanted the power of God, when we want the presence of God, the Holy Spirit will come. Sadly, I, I fear that we're so busy and we got it going on and we punch a clock and we do church for an hour Sunday morning. If we wanted the miraculous influx of God's power, he would come. But we're just too busy for God just yet. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to renowned apologist and author, evangelist, broadcaster, and so much more, Alex McFarland. Um, Alex, I wish we had more time. Obviously, God has sent you worldwide. You've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You've experienced miracles, but on a practical level, God's also had you teach and train and build up and perhaps even send out. So mega churches today and the pastors that are leading them, how are you reaching them to break it down into smaller units to make what you're talking about accessible? Oh, that, that's a profound question. Um, I commend you for maybe the best question I've heard in 10 years. Uh, I, I mean, really, because, you know, discipleship is life on life transference. Um, in the mega church, or even broadcasting, which you do so well, and it's one thing to, to scatter seed out, but it's another thing to get down on your knees, dig a hole, plant a seed, and water it. And I, I know we're all very busy, but the, the best discipleship is personal. And, and I want to encourage um, Christians to get into the lives of people. Because, and, and I, I give God the glory, Jen saying I'm giving God the glory, but look, we have led to Christ atheists. I've led to Christ Muslims and baptized them. And oh my goodness, I've had Muslims come to Christ and, and renounce Islam and the Quran and turn to Jesus, but it takes time. So what we're doing when we build relationship, trust, honesty, respect. When there is trust, right now we're on the verge of 
leading a Jewish lady to Christ who at one time was very, very antithetical to the idea of Jesus. But there's been a year of prayer and fasting and friendship building and sharing those seeds of hard truth when the time was right. But trust, honesty, respect. And I have found from skeptics to lost people to whomever, when people know that you care, they will listen to your message. And I would challenge the megachurch pastors, equip people to, look, the pastor of 5,000 people can't have coffee 5,000 times in a week. Right. But you can equip and train 500 people that can talk to 10 people in a week. You see what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and that Jethro told Moses, Moses, you're going to wear out. You need to delegate. Jesus had the 12 and then the 120 and then the, the, the 3,000 and, and here you and I are 2,000 years later. So we have to multiply ourselves. And those who have become disciples, we need to be disciple makers. And so I, I think one of the key things for church is obviously to be, make sure everybody's born again, spirit filled and understand and embrace the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. But then groom people to lead small groups, a safe, non-threatening, friendly environment. See, let's say you've got somebody down the street who's an atheist or whomever, and going to church on Sunday morning is very formidable, very intimidating. But they'll come to your house for popcorn and snacks. And we've, with our Truth for New Generation conferences, by the way, we have our 48th Citywide Apologetics Conference. Say that again, please. Uh, Truth for a New Generation. Thank you. That's a series of conferences we've done for 24 years. We've done 47 previous conferences, and we bring in some speakers. Some are well-known, like Josh McDowell or James Dobson. We've, we've been blessed to work with a lot of very well-known Christians, but we've been blessed to work with a very um, wonderful group of leaders who aren't famous. But our 48th major citywide event is going to be October 15 through 17 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We've never done that city before. But a lot of restaurants, a lot of hotels, you've got every reason to come to Myrtle Beach. But we're <laughs> gonna have, we have sessions for all ages and we train people how to know what you believe, how to defend what you believe, but also how to impart and share what you believe. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Alex McFarland, renowned apologist and author, evangelist. You can learn more about Alex's work, ministry, and mission by visiting alexmcfarland.com. You will be blessed, encouraged, informed, and inspired that you did. Alex, I just want to thank you for being with us on Testimony Today. Your story is not only inspiring, but gives such practical hope and a way to practically walk out the gospel. I'm reminded of that scripture that says, and alluding to what you just said, faith works by love. It works by love. 
And that Jewish woman will come to Christ through your love extended and your knowledge of the word. What an honor it's been. God bless you and uh, hope to have you back again. Well, we hope to have you on our programs as well. Thank you for your time. God bless you, sister. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony.